Welcome to WCSU 411, the podcast that brings you interesting people and events from Western Connecticut State University and beyond. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Alva Scar, a Spanish professor at WestCon who also translates Spanish language poetry from Nicaragua. Before you tune out, wait at least until you hear her translation of the poem called Boa Constrictor. We will also talk with Barbara Viegas, the Student Government Association Vice President, who brings us news about upcoming events. But first, here's Dr. Alba Scar. Alba, you, uh, your work here, your scholarly work, you're a professor, you teach classes, but your scholarly work is and research is in the moment, anyway, about uh, translating Spanish language poetry into English. Isn't that right? That's correct. I started my research um, over the past 20 years uh, with human rights topics in Latin America, and that led me to authors in the U.S. and from countries such as Nicaragua who have integrated some of those same topics in their poetry, and that has led me to my current uh, projects that are working with a variety of Nicaraguan authors and translating from Spanish to English for Mm. publication here in the U.S., Mm-hmm. And the, uh, as I understand it, and I'm not a, uh, uh, I've not spent a lot of time on it, but a lot of the poets in uh, Nicaragua and the others, what we call South American countries, are uh, uh, do write about civil rights and struggles. And there's the Indians there who have been oppressed by the Spanish and the. Sp- Spanish and Eng- uh, the Spanish uh, heritage uh, natives there who have been oppressed by others, etc. What I love about contemporary poets is that while they integrate many of uh, the uh, of that awareness of inequality and and hegemonic oppression, they do it in an extraordinarily creative way. Um, For example, uh, the Latin American author uh, Gioconda Veli, one of the most famous poets from Nicaragua, um, has uh, several books of poetry, much of it dedicated to um, uh, women's issues. And it's something that we don't always associate with uh, Latin American writing. But in fact, uh, Latin American feminism is is, uh, one of the the greatest feminisms of the world and often unknown in the United States. So translation plays a role in bringing those voices um, to dialogue with ours. Mm -hmm. And what do you hope to... um do with this. I mean, poetry is a, uh, a niche in literature. And uh, then, as I understand it, translation of poetry is a niche within poetry, right? And uh, so who are you reaching out to? And uh, what are you doing it for? Well, translation informs our lives, even as children, our first words could be considered translations of our own desires. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as we think of you know, growing up, reading Little Red Riding Hood or some of the fairy tales, those are all translations. So bringing authors' voices into the U.S. who might not otherwise be accessible to uh, English speakers or readers uh, allows us to have a greater awareness of voices of the world. And um, some, it, my, my desire is to counteract the hegemonic oppression of, uh, of people who simply are marginalized from discourse that's English only. Mm-hmm. And 
As a translator, you are an artist also. Don't you consider yourself an artist? One of the things that I've loved most about being at WCSU is that as I arrived already a scholar with with books and articles published, um, I realized that our scholarly work is also defined as creative activity. Hmm. And translation allows me to be creative in a way that uh, I wasn't able to do with my traditional scholarship, which I continue, but having that ability to develop that that creative voice is is extraordinary. The, um, The Nobel winning prize author from Mexico, Octavio Paz, defines translation as a a twin creation. If you think of a twin as the same DNA, but a unique being. And I like that approach to understanding uh, translation as creating something that, that has a life of its own in addition to reflecting the original. And translation of literature is not the same as being a translator at the UN, right? Where you're just uh, trying to communicate as quickly as possible the exact wording of what the politician is saying. There is a difference between interpreting and translating. Hmm. Interpreting involves oral uh, conferences or speeches or dialogue, whereas translating works with a written text, and specifically literary translation involves a great deal of cultural research. It's, it's not word for word uh, interpreting or translating. It really requires that a person have a, an understanding of the cultural context in which the, the work is developed. Mm-hmm. So you brought a poem to read here for us. And uh, could you t- put that in context before you read it? Absolutely. Um, Boa Constrictor by Maria Augusta Montealegre. Uh, who lives in Miami. She's originally from Nicaragua. She's a Spanish language poet. And what often happens in in the U.S. is that poets continue to write in their native languages and they often are unknown as U.S. poets. Hmm. And in fact, she is. Um, she is, is has a very playful approach in this poem, which is titled Boa Constrictor, uh, same in English and Spanish, hmm. uh, that refers to the movement in Brazil of anthropophagia, which is the cannibalism, the idea of cannibalizing. So the the poem seems to be a, a somewhat playful, sexual, linguistic encounter. And at the same time, it's the it represents the idea of ingesting uh, another culture in an empowering way which is what the anthropophagia movement uh, represented historically. So there are a lot of issues at play within the poem. Great. So you're going to read that now? Yes. And this is from the book El País de las Calles Sin Nombre, Where the Streets Have No Name, that was published as a bilingual edition in 2017. Hmm. Boa Constrictor. I sway from side to side like a pendulum, Like the ticking of a clock, you don't suspect anything. You look at me askance, you sniff the air like a Bengal tiger preparing to strike. You wait for me to leave my skin in some corner. I am your prey. I use my body as bait, singing my mortal I move forward with new skin. I flick my playful tongue. I hypnotize you with my eyes to keep you still. I dart towards you. I coil myself around your body. You roar ferociously. 
You resist and suffocate it by my embrace. You listen to the breaking of all your bones. I bite you, injecting desire. You are deliriously disturbed, and I swallow your head alive for you to meet my throat. I squeeze you down my neck to your feet, licking them lazily. You despair inside of me. Death comes suddenly. Wow. That's a good poem. <laughs> it's a fantastic poem. We just read this together at the International Poetry Festival in Granada de Nicaragua in February mm -hmm. uh, in front of a thousand people. So as opposed to the U.S., and poetry in Nicaragua brings out tremendous audiences and they have this fabulous International Poetry Festival every year mm. where they invite poets from every continent of the world, over a hundred invitations, and it's just extraordinary. And that's how I was able to meet Maria Augusta and several of the other authors I've been translating. That's fantastic. Uh, it would be, it, it must be uh, very energizing to have that many people coming to a poetry conference, you're right. It is, it is. And uh, it's organized by Francisco de Asís Fernández and a, and a tremendous group of people who each year work with local organizations and the government for funding to make it happen. It's, it's their life's project and their great passion. And mm -hmm. it's been such an honor for me to be a participant there. Now, are the, um, the, the subject of that poem and the work that you've been doing, is it... Uh, uh, in one culture uh, uh, subsuming another, is it uh, talking about Europeans coming to the New World and uh, uh, wiping the Indians off the map, or is it about uh, more recent uh, uh, with uh, what we would think of as established um, cultures and societies there being... Um, bullied by uh, the U.S. and Europe and et cetera. This particular poem uh, relates to a variety of paradoxical uh, interactions, cultural and linguistic, between men and women, uh, oppressors, and the resistance to oppression. And by bringing that language, that tongue, mm -hmm. into English, it, it also enters into the relationship between English and Spanish, mm. so, which isn't in, in the original poem at all. Mm -hmm. So a translation, uh, as opposed to what Robert Frost suggested, that poetry is what is lost in translation, quite often translation can, can add um, another level of meaning to the study of a text. Mm -hmm. I would say so, because uh, you're right. It's uh, And I don't know Spanish, but it's... Uh, that's how I heard it was in that, partly that context too. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And uh, as you said you were down in uh, uh, Nicaragua in February, and you do travel a lot to the Spanish language, Nicaragua and other Spanish language um, countries, right, to uh, do this kind of research? Yes, I, it's extremely important to have an understanding of the cultural context, and you need to do that by traveling. I also have been to um, 
Bolivia, Peru and Bolivia for a for research on a book about Evo Morales, which was published a few years ago by Duke University Press. And I traveled with two students, which I, I love to do as well uh, for their own research on the water wars in, in Bolivia and uh, cultural transformations that were occurring there. So yes, it's, it's extremely important to be able to have conversations with, uh, with local people as well as the authors and have an understanding of the cultural context that has inspired the author in order to enter into that inspiration and, and, and dream a new poem, mm-hmm. which is, for me, what translation is. It's, it's also that, that linguistic dreaming of, of a new reality. And I imagine you bring some of this into the classroom, too, and talk to your students about it. We have a new program in uh, Spanish translation. It's a minor in Spanish translation, which integrates uh, introduction to translating and interpreting uh, for a variety of professional fields. And I also encourage students to be creative with their own translations. I bring poetry in always to to start any course uh, because I think that it, it involves the reflecting on the process of translation as creation. Uh, rather than transposing one language on another. Mm-hmm. And you're not a uh, uh, native language Spanish speaker, are you? Spanish is my second language. Mm-hmm. It is, yes. And so, could you tell us a little bit about that journey? You're very. You sound like a native speaker to me when you speak Spanish, but uh, so you've been doing it a long time. Whenever I travel to Latin America, uh, no matter where I am. People always say to me, well, you're a native speaker, but you're not from here. (laughs) (laughs) So so they assume that I'm from Spain if I'm in Puerto Rico. Or if I'm in Puerto Rico, uh, or if I'm in Spain, they assume that I'm from Argentina. I was just in Ecuador, and everyone thought that I was from Chile. So so they always understand my accent as being from some other place, but not the U.S. I started uh, studying Spanish as a language requirement, Spanish 101, first semester at the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. And I wanted to study biology and and veterinary medicine. And instead, I found the welcoming and warm uh, classes that were very small, 20 students in the language department to be the place where I wanted to be. And I had always loved reading. And so it was a language requirement that got me started. And I was very fortunate that two years were required. And at the end of two years, I said, you know, I can, I can do this. I can speak a little bit. And I kept going. I added Portuguese and hmm. eventually added uh, French. And, and, and there we are. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, any, yeah. I, think, I do believe anyone can do it. Hmm. And I tell that to my students all the time. Sure, I, I'm sure that's true, but you must have a natural uh, ear for it or something like that that many of the rest of us don't have quite the same. Well, you can travel with me to Latin America. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the Poetry Festival next year. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and how long have you been teaching here at WestCon? I have been here for 12 years now. Mm. Very, very exciting time. I've seen a lot of transformations in the department, including uh, creating 20 new courses and the new minor in Spanish translation. It's been a very exciting time to be here. And are students here uh, coming to the understanding that uh, another language is important? And are you seeing that kind of passion that you had for it? I don't know that I ever really had a passion for it. I think that I was required to study it, and I had an open mind. 
So I think that whenever I meet a student with an open mind, that is always an exciting moment. Um, I love the students in our program. We have an extraordinarily diverse uh, group of majors and minors in Spanish, from students who are uh, from our greater Danbury region uh, to students from Albania <laughs> and uh, others from uh, many Latin American countries, some of them first-generation immigrants, some second-generation students from Ecuador, from Peru. I've had students from from Spain, from Argentina, from from Chile, from so many parts of the world, from the Dominican Republic, from, from various countries that we wouldn't expect, but Danbury is such a diverse area that it, I think, really enriches uh, our program. So we have a, a tremendous mix between students who are learning Spanish as a second language, as I did, and other students who are saying to themselves, well, if, I, if someone has spoken English, all their lives and they have to take an English class at the university, well, why, as a Spanish speaker, wouldn't I take a Spanish class? Mm -hmm. And so they enter into our courses and, and they realize it's not about conjugating verbs and and memorizing vocabulary lists like high school would be, right. um, but we're, uh, we, we study film, we study uh, literature, we work in translation, uh, art, music, and it's an tremendous opportunity to increase your knowledge of the world and, and do it in, a, in another language. I always start the beginning of, um, of each class with the question, ¿Cuántos continentes hay en el mundo? And everyone looks at me and says, well, how many continents are there in the world? Why is she asking us about geography in a Spanish class? And they always say, well, of course, there are seven. And I say, okay, there's seven in English. But in Spanish, people often will learn growing up that there are five. Or six. So how does learning another language change your worldview? Mm -hmm. It's not just about learning about culture in English, about a different part of the world. It's, it's approaching another culture from within that culture. And that uh, has much more transformative potential in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And you're referring to and, uh, how what we refer to as South America, they refer to both uh, these North and South America is one continent, right? America, mm -hmm. yes. America isn't just the U.S., but America in Espanol is an entire continent. So when you put that one little accent mark over the E, it completely <laughs> changes the definition of the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And then you spent, after college, I gather, or while you were getting your uh, graduate degrees, you spent uh, time researching and being involved in the political history of uh, countries that are south of North America, of uh, the United States? Very much like many of our students, I was a first-generation college student, hmm. and I worked 35 hours a week and put myself through school. I never had the opportunity to study abroad. Um, I did have some opportunities during graduate school to start traveling and some short uh, programs and, and trips and and that that opened my mind to a whole new part of history that I had ignored um, having grown up in the US and never learning about uh, Latin America so uh, so yes I was able to start traveling in graduate school and uh, through conferences and, and other participations and research trips I've been able to travel as well and develop in that way my my cultural knowledge as well as my ability to um, work with people at, from all 
different backgrounds and professional levels, uh, and as well as just academics. And what what led you to then be uh, to go to college, be the first to go to college instead of not uh, following the path your parents did or their other family members? I never realized that it was not an option. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, school was the place for me where there was structure. And I felt very comfortable, and I was always guided by some excellent mentors and, and teachers. And uh, I try to be that for, for my students as well, um, sometimes pushing them more than they probably would expect or maybe want, um, but in the end, never too far that they couldn't respond and, and grow. And, and I think that. You know, in addition to our scholarship, in addition to our creative activity as, as faculty here, we need to be able to integrate that and, and bring students along and mentor them um, so that they can grow. And, and so my interest in um, the, the political history of Latin America came from some of my mentors who said, have you read this book? No. <laughs> oh, well, maybe you should write your, your final research paper on that topic. And, and I would go research it and, and, and then eventually be able to go to that country. I'd like to do the same thing for my students and encourage them uh, to participate in the International Student Exchange Program and, and live for six months in another country. It's a transformative life experience, one that I didn't have mm-hmm. as a college student because I was always struggling financially. Um, but for my students who can, um, or at least to, to take a four-week you know, summer program and, and go to Spain or go to another place and, and have these experiences early in life uh, to complement their, their studies here. So what do you have uh, percolating next? Do you have another book coming up or uh, books or projects? I am very excited. I have two books now that, that I'm I'm working on. Um, one is by the poet Francisco de Asís Fernández. I mentioned he's the president of the Poetry Festival in Granada, Nicaragua, and it's our fourth book that we're uh, collaborating on to complete a bilingual edition. But my biggest project right now is working with Gioconda Belli, and, and I mentioned her early in our conversation. She is one of Latin America's most well-known authors, um, uh, certainly one of Nicaragua's most important contemporary authors, and it's a tremendous honor um, to be um, taking uh, several poems from each of her several books of poetry for an anthology of her life's work. She's a septuagenarian, uh, wants to see uh, an anthology in English of her poems. All of her narrative is immediately translated and published in English, but her poetry hasn't received the same recognition. There's only one book from the 1980s uh, translation that was created, and she um, currently lives between Los Angeles and uh, and Nicaragua and Managua. So she's also a, another U.S. Spanish language author in addition to being a Nicaraguan author. And I have a sabbatical coming for next spring, 2019, and I'll be working specifically with her uh, to develop that project. That's exciting. Then do you, then when you have a living author, uh, let her have input on your translation? How does that work? It works uh, differently with every author. Francisco de Asís Fernández doesn't speak any English at all, and he completely trusts me, and I give him my poems in English, and he says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there have been uh, 
a, a few moments when I've sent him an email to say, I'm not quite sure what you mean by this. Are you referring to this particular historical reference or is this an artistic reference? And, and he, he uses a lot of, of, of myths, of, of Greek myths and, and some classical uh, uh, references that I, I, I want to be sure that I have perfectly clear. Um, but for the most part, I have complete freedom with his work. Maria Gusta uh, Montealegre, um, living in Miami and speaking English perfectly well, and she can write in English, she just doesn't want to do her own auto-translations, uh, was very uh, much a part of the, the translation process. So I sent her the poems translated, she gave me feedback, I sent her the poems again, so she was very much a part of the editing process. Uh, Gioconda Belli uh, is um, able to read English, and she's also married to a native English speaker who is from California, so he also is, is reading and giving feedback in the translations, but it's been somewhat more autonomous uh, in, in that process. So it's, it's always helpful whether you're translating or whether you're you're writing, uh, just in general, to have someone read your work and, and give you feedback mm-hmm. on that. So the editorial process is, is very worthwhile. Very stimulating, it sounds like. Yes. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, it's really been interesting. I uh, uh, learned so much. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. And maybe after you, uh, the next book comes out, we'll bring you back on. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Alba. Bye-bye. The content for this podcast is brought to you by Western Connecticut State University, where students get an excellent education at a reasonable cost. For more information about enrolling at Westcon, email admissions at wcsu.edu. Now Barbara Viegas joins us to tell us about upcoming events on campus. How's it going, Barbara? Pretty good, Paul. How about you? I'm good. I see you brought your coffee with you. I did. I brought it with me. That's good. (laughs) Your friendly reminder was great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so we have a, cool, some, a lot of cool events on campus um, this coming week. Um, BSU is doing like a lot of cool events, which is really awesome. Who's they're, that? The Black Student Union. Hmm. Um, they're collaborating with our philanthropy committee to do some events. They're collaborating with African Caribbean um, Student Association to do events and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of really cool events coming around. But I'm just going to start off with the SJ events because you know, that's where my that's heart is. That's you, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... We have our debate uh, today. It's at 7.30 um, in the Midtown Student Center, room 201. It's the elections debate, obviously. So it's going to be the executive board um, pretty much debating Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, uh, to see who's most qualified and that kind of thing, just to get a feel of who your candidates are. Uh, Really, uh, it's really the real debate part is really just for the VPSR position because it's the only contested. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. the only contested position this year. Um, so I'm going to be up there trying to make it seem like I'm cooler than everyone else. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, everyone else also, uh, gets questioned, uh, or Hmm. yeah. Uh, so the president will, they'll ask them questions. It's open to the public. So the public can ask the president questions, the vice president of internal affairs, the vice president of finance and the parliamentarian, um, the VPSR, vice president of student relations, um, is going to be the, probably the most heated debate because it's three people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be a lot of uh, questions from the moderators and there will also be open to uh, audience questions as well. So you should definitely go and like support whoever you want to vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good to have like people there. Last year uh, when I 
you know, my, my first year um, doing the executive board debate, my whole family went because I mean, it's not even you're not even supposed to bring your family. But I told them I was like, I'm going to do a debate. And they're like, oh, I want to I go. <laughs> I was like, why? Like, <laughs> so they ended up going like my mom, my dad, my sister and not my grandmother, but my two sisters went and they like recorded it. And after that, we went out to like the diner after and they were like, Yo, you did so good. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> Thank God you won. It's good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. This year, I didn't really invite them too much because I'm a little bit more worried about you know, two other competitors instead of one. Um, but there's, they're probably still going to come anyway. My dad already told me that he's coming. So (laughs) there's no keeping them away. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool, um, thing to like get you to know your, your candidates. Mm -hmm. Like you should really know who you're voting for. And one really cool thing that we're having this year. So the, the voting thing changed, um, instead of like you voting at like a station, like, um, at like a computer, where you go to a website and you log in with your student ID, it's going to be directly emailed to your email, a link, like a personalized link that you'll only be able to access. And um, in that case, you're going to have little bios of the candidates when you vote. So it's going to be like, okay, Barbara Viegas, and it's going to say like two things, like two sentences or something like, hey, I'm Barbara, like I was VPSR for a year, vote for me, I have experience, like all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it'll be like my name and my photo so that they, they can know you, which is a lot better because last year I know that I was in the student center every single day um, at, at like a, a campaign table being like, come here, vote right now, because we had a computer there and they could vote. And I was there, you know, with face, I'm with a face like, hey, uh, by the way, I'm running just in case you want to vote for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. The bios are really helpful. Um, and then one other thing that is not SGA funded. It's Wait a second. Is your dad going to answer questions if we show up and uh, talk to him? <laughs> I mean, he could, yeah. <laughs> Pete, start getting questions ready. <laughs> That'd be actually pretty cool if you guys went to the um, debate. Yeah. But um, one other thing that's happening that is not SGA funded, it's Barbara Villegas funded because it is my campaign table. Uh-huh. Um, I'm having a campaign table on March 28th, which is this Wednesday. Um, it's from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. and it's kind of just like a little table outside the student center. Um, I'm gonna buy like donuts and that kind of thing. Um, the plan is for some cheerleaders to be there so they can put me up in some stunts and stuff and like draw attention. Wow. Um, and just get some footage for my campaign video because I'm putting that together. Um, so yeah, it should be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the student center on the Midtown campus. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So. Kids, uh, students can come up to me, like ask me questions, or just talk to me, or like get to know me, that kind of thing. It's a really sociable event. Um, pretty simple. I hope it's nice out. I think it's going to be. Are you going to have an ambulance standing by in case you <laughs> do a flip and land on your head? Uh, uh, I should no, because <laughs> I don't cheer anymore. But yeah, uh, we're not going to be doing anything crazy. I mean, oh, okay. the cheerleaders themselves will probably do cooler things, just because I don't think I'm allowed to do any of the cool things I used to be because I'm not like covered by the insurance anymore. Mm. Cause I'm not part of the team, mm-hmm. but I got clearance from like Deb, the coach and stuff. And I was like, Hey, can I put me up in like some simple stunts? She said, cool. Really? So wow. yeah. Cause I mean, pretty good cheerleader, you know, <laughs> a little rusty, but still good. You never forget. right? Yeah. And then the last thing uh, that is SGA funded, um, is the senior weekend. Obviously I mentioned it last week, but that's far in advance, but you know, you gotta get your tickets. Um, so tickets aren't on sale yet, but they will be. And it's a senior weekend. May 10th is a senior toast. May 11th is a senior cruise. And May 12th is a Mohegan Sun trip. So just that happens every year. Um, sometimes it changes a little bit. I know that the senior cruise is still with the New York cruise line, mm. which is so much better than the cruise that we had before. 
um i forget what it was it's like spirit cruises or something before and it was just not all right hmm. um so now it's it's really gorgeous i went last year even though i was like a sophomore hmm. <laughs> um because i was I, I think i really really went over this i was on the the committee so they let me like right. go for free because i like went early and set up and everything but it is a really really cool weekend and it's great for anyone that's graduating because it's really like a last hurrah kind of thing um but yeah you can contact Lindsay englander or tay haroon with any questions or you can talk to me hmm. um i probably know so you're going again even though you're not graduating again uh, yeah yeah I'll, I'll probably be going again um it's kind of expensive but it's worth it like it's so worth it mm-hmm. i'll probably go to the cruise if anything um but a lot of my friends are graduating which sucks yeah. <laughs> but so many of them like so many people from sga are graduating like um our VPIA, Ron Ho- Ryan Hawley, mm. and our secretary, like they're 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 graduating, and I'm gonna miss them so much. I don't even know how I'm gonna do. If I win VPSR, like I don't even know how I'm gonna do it without them, because mm. they're just such great support system and like great people. But it's cool, cause like before I became VPSR, like I didn't really even really talk to them. Like I was a senator, but like we didn't really talk. Really. And it's really cool how you become like really intertwined with your eboard, which mm-hmm. is really awesome. Um, and then on to the BSU events because they have a lot of cool things going on. So April 13th, they have For the Culture Fashion Show. Um, it's basically like they do this. I don't, I'm pretty sure they do this like often. They do like, they get like artists and stuff. Like it's like a specific designer or something that designs these clothes, I guess. And then they just like, I mean, last time they had like um, auditions for models. I'm not sure if. This time it's like real models or something. There's not a lot of information, but all their events are really, really cool. Um, so I'm sure that, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be really cool and successful. Um, it's April 13th. Uh, the show starts at 730 and the doors open at 7 and it's at the Ives Concert Hall. And it says dress to impress. So and there's performances by the um, Southern Connecticut State University's and um, AC- ASA's dance team, too. So. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there's a For the Culture after party. So after this, the fashion show, so this is um, by the, it's um, hosted by the Black Student Union and the African Caribbean Student Association. So both of them are doing this together. And then the after party is in the West Side Ballroom. And this one, the tickets are $5 and you can buy them at the box office. It's from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. And it's semi-formal, no hoodies, sneakers, or backpacks, and no outside beverages allowed. So kind of like cool spot mm-hmm. but very really fun um and then another thing that they're doing is april 3rd it's a paint party it's a this is just the black student union presenting it um and it's basically what it is a paint party at 8 30 in the honors house hold it uh, what kind of party a paint party oh paint party like a mean? sip and sketch without um, the sip yeah without the sip <laughs> but very cool still and then there's one other thing. Okay, and then there's also, so this one is SGA, kind of SGA funded. It is SGA funded too, because the philanthropy committee is part of SGA and the spot committee. So the SGA philanthropy committee and the spot committee, both from SGA, are, ho- are co-hosting with BSU. It's called the house party. And it's at the honors house. So um, it's Thursday, April 5th, uh, three p- uh, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. Wow. Um, and then right after that, it's gonna be the spot. So it's going to be from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. or maybe 4 a.m. I don't know what they're doing this time. Hmm. Um, but there's $300 in prizes to be raffled off every hour. And raffle tickets are included in the donation. So the donation price, it's it's publicized as $10. But I'm pretty sure yesterday, not yesterday, Friday, 
in Senate, um, the Student Philanthropy Committee chair said that they were thinking of lowering the price to around $5 because um, some of the tickets, like it, some students were complaining that it was a little too expensive, mm-hmm. mainly like freshmen that just came in, don't have a job, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're willing to like lower the price a little bit. I'm pretty sure that they're doing that. Um, but it's really a donation because all of the proceeds go to the Student Philanthropy Committee budget, which supports um, students in need. So mm-hmm. like they buy like textbooks and that kind of thing for them. Like if they if you need it, they'll like that's the kind of thing that they that's do. That's cool. And who do they go to? To somebody at the uh, executive committee of the SGA if they need something. Um, so you really just talk to the Student Philanthropy Committee chair. Hmm. Um, or you can go into the SJ office and talk to us about how you could do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not completely positive because I don't handle that committee, but I'm not completely positive what the process is, but I'm sure that they are like distributing the funds. If anything, they might distribute it at the beginning of a year instead of in the middle. Oh, okay. um, but right now they're really just trying to get a lot of money in that account because mm-hmm. they really want to help the students. Um, and then there is also some pack events. So there is the PAC Six Flags trip that I've been talking about recently. Tickets go on sale April 4th, and the trip is on April 21st. Um, students are $30, and guests are $80. I went on this trip, actually, not, I don't, not, not last year, I think, but the year before that, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, Six Flags is just fun in itself, but... And $30 is a great uh, yeah, price. Yeah, it's so cheap, for, especially mm-hmm. for, like, transportation, too, like... Yeah. You spend 30 bucks on like a tank of gas to go over there. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's really, really good. And the bus leaves Midtown at 8 a.m. and Westside at 8.30. And you're at Six Flags until 8 p.m. Mm. So it's Six Flags is awesome. Can't beat it, yeah. You can't, yeah, you definitely can't beat it. Um, the tickets go on sale April 4th at 10 a.m. So, And then there's a pack movie night April 5th at 8 p.m. in the Midtown Student Center Theater with free food. And guess what movie it is? Black Panther. Oh, I wish. Oh my God, that's Thor, still in theaters. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> no, they did that one though. But um, it's Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Oh, I love that too. <sighs> I love it too. Ugh. Um, yeah. So that's just <laughs> you have to go see it. Like, come on, it's Star Wars. Like, um, and the last thing I have is um, the Colonial Calendar for um some sports. So. Tuesday, there's baseball at Ramapo at 3.30, softball at Springfield um, at 3 and 5 p.m., women's lacrosse at Farmingdale State at 5 p.m. Then Wednesday, there's men's lacrosse versus Farmingdale State at 7 p.m., men's tennis at Springfield at 4 p.m., and then Friday, there's women's lacrosse at Manhattanville at 12, and then Saturday, there's men's tennis uh, at UMass Dartmouth at 1 p.m., softball, UMass Boston, 1 and 3 p.m., and then baseball versus Keene State, 12 and 3 p.m., and then men's lacrosse at Mitchell at 4 p.m. So lots, this whole calendar you can find at Westcon Ath, like athletics, um, the Instagram page if you really want. Obviously, I spoke kind of fast, but just there was a lot of events just to get them all out there. Yeah, they're all Um, playing now. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's sports season. So, cool. Um, yeah, that's all I got for today. But there's a lot of events coming up. Everything's really cool. So tomorrow you're going to be meeting with the president of the Board of Regents of the whole uh, college and university system. Yes. What are you going to ask him? Oh, I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> um, you guys should shoot me an email of what you want me to say, you know, because <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. He's meeting with the entire Senate. 
Hmm. Um, so, or at least like the people that can make the event, because I know a lot of people have class. Um, technically, they can't. Um, they we can't like excuse them from class, but hmm. a lot of professors will understand if you're going to go meet OJ Kian. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very rare. They said that you can get the opportunity to sit and talk to this guy for like an hour. We mm-hmm. only have an hour, um, and there's a lot of students going too. But um, I don't know. Maybe something will come over me, and I'll think of a cool question. Yeah, you um, should. Yeah, there's obviously so many questions that you could ask, but it's it's kind of difficult because like you're speaking to the president, you know, like you have to like I don't even know. I don't. <laughs> no, you got to get over any, that. <laughs> do you have any suggestions? He's a very nice guy. He'll uh, t- answer anything you ask, and um, uh, you know, you should ask him something about uh, figure out what he's doing that affects students uh, directly. Yeah. So and ask him about that. He'd say that everything he does affects students directly. Yeah, but. that's what I, <laughs> I think I might be asking some questions about um, like the undocumented population just yeah. because I'm the like the president of West Con Without mm-hmm. Borders. Um, and there's going to be a lot of SGA representatives that can ask him a lot of SGA questions. Mm-hmm. But for our small club that just started to get the opportunity to speak to him is a lot different than, you know, SGA. Yeah, so. that's a good idea. He's a very supportive of DACA students. Yeah, so I want to see like what his opinions are, like what mm-hmm. he, he'll be doing to like support the undocumented population and that kind of thing. He'll like you after that. Really? You don't have to worry. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot of cool things coming yeah. up. Yeah, all right. We'll hear about it in our next, uh, next week's uh, session, right? Yes. All right. Let's see how the debate went, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> either. <laughs> All right, Barbara, thanks a lot. All right, thank you. See you later. See ya. This podcast is made possible because of producer Scott Fulpe and engineer Pete Puccio. If you like what you've heard on WCSU 411, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You can message us via the podcast or on Twitter at WCSU 411. Until next week, for Barbara Villegas, I'm Paul Steinmetz.